Colin Robertson, thanks for joining me today. Delighted to be with you, Mark. Mr. Robertson, what are you thinking as you see some of these images going on in, in Hong Kong right now? Well, the images of the police confronting the students at uh, the Polytechnic are deeply disturbing. It really looks pretty fierce, and especially when you think that these students are, are not arguing for lower rate, but rather for sort of fundamental liberties that you and I take for granted. Uh, basically, more democracy. They would like to, some kind of investigation of what the police have been doing over the past six months while this has gone on because they've gradually and increasingly escalated their uh, tactics so that most of the human rights groups around the world have said, no, this is not normal for this kind of a situation and this deserves further investigation. And they, they would also like amnesty for the students that have been involved. And so uh, these, these seem not unreasonable demands. There was a reporter speaking with the CBC this morning that said as some of these students were coming out and surrendering themselves to the police, they were shouting their names and their parents' names and uh, saying that they had no intention of, of suicide and so on. What is that about? Well, th there is some suggestion that when they are incarcerated that some of the uh, tactics of the authorities would be such that some may uh, may die and uh, that the, the, the authorities would suggest that it was suicide. Uh, this is sometimes suggested... Uh, what happens to those who are incarcerated in China. So I think that's probably why they're, they're doing that, is almost as a kind of protection against things that might happen. Uh, there's no evidence that, should have, that the Hong Kong authorities are, are, are behaving in this manner. What about uh, what makes these the protesters so determined? I mean, this has been going on originally uh, against the extradition law, but it has evolved once again to... to I, well, what has it evolved to then? No, it's quite remarkable because... The, what you're looking at is a generation of children, now young adults, that grew up under sovereignty. Hong Kong is guaranteed certain rights until 2047, 50 years after the British passed Hong Kong over to China in 1997. And they were guaranteed basically a freedom of judiciary, freedom of the press, and the right to assembly. A lot of the basic rights and the Students have been pressing for greater democracy as a kind of bulwark against what they see as an increasingly authoritarian uh, China. China, for its part, regards itself as the sole arbiter and say, no, under the terms under which Hong Kong passed back to China, they are the ones who can decide. And so, for example, recently when the high court said you had to disclose your face in public because a lot of the students have put on face masks because of the Chinese identity tactics, so you can tell who's doing what. Uh, they said, no, in fact, that law is not valid, and the Chinese authorities are upset about that. So how that will work its way through, these are all one of the larger questions about the future of Hong Kong. There also seems to be a, some indication from the Hong Kong police that they're not able to handle the situation. And China, I think, has sort of hinted that the West should stay out of this. What is the significance of that? What might China do then? Well, there's sort of two things there. First of all, can the Hong Kong police handle the situation? Well, if you would <laughs> look at the past six months, you'd say, no, they can't handle it. Their tactics have been, by most human rights standards, uh, brutal and not terribly effective. But does that mean that they appeal to China? That, ha that They have not. And I think that there's a kind of recognition that if China were to either release the People's Liberation Army, which is garrisoned in the city, or bring over their special police from across the border in Shenzhen, that that would be, and probably viewed by, uh, especially if the tactics were brutal, as a kind of another Tiananmen Square, which I think China wants to avoid at all costs because of, the, of their effort to 
create a better public image for China. And as to the, the second question, as to the, the, the legitimacy of the government, which is essentially appointed by Beijing, is in real doubt. There have been, at various points over the last six months, two million people of the seven million that live in the city out in support of the protests and in support of the fundamental freedoms that Hong Kong currently enjoys, not pushing for more, but simply to try and preserve what they already have and worried about encroachments on those uh, liberties. You know, Hong Kong's a very special place in a way. It, it's, uh, it is the best place to do business in all of Asia. And uh, the expatriate population is the largest. We estimate a minimum of 300,000 Canadians of there, probably 100,000 uh, Brits and 100,000 Americans. It is a kind of financial center, uh, and that's been its uh, great value to both China as a kind of entree out and to the rest of the world as an entree into China and to the rest of Asia. But that has been quickly eroded through these demonstrations and also by the overhang of the uh, U.S.-China uh, trade disputes, which is leading a number of businesses which had their kind of managers in Hong Kong with the manufacturing plants in China starting to think about moving, they're all supply chain connected, moving those manufacturing plants into places like Vietnam and Thailand. Well, you've mentioned uh, the Canadians there, and they're about, as you mentioned, about 300,000. Uh, some Canadian universities have started to advise their exchange students to come back to Canada. What about a migration of these expats in Canada? Has that has that begun? What's the situation well, there? Well, the, 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 certainly, yes, there are, there are a number of them were probably Hong Kong-born. So a number of them have gone back because Hong Kong's a great place, as I say, to, to do business and make money. The, the income tax there is 15%, and not everybody pays that. It's It's just a... It's, a, it's been a very good place to make money. But with these disruptions, the risk is that the students will lose their school year. So a number of them are returning. And because of the disruptions, a number of Canadian universities are saying, come back and, and, and do your year here in Canada. And a number of the students are responding. And, and the bigger question, a, a net outflow if things got really bad, that I think would only happen if there was a true insurrection or a state of martial law that, that people just wanted to get out. And uh, that would, of course, be very dramatic because to try and evacuate a minimum of 300,000, to, to get that many people out, this is a very difficult thing to, to do. We would have to do it in partnership with the Americans and the Brits and others who have expatriates there. But you hope it doesn't reach that situation. Just as a final thought then, uh, Mr. Robertson, speculate, if you would, on how you see this playing out. Well, sadly, it's it's hard to see it ending and ending well. The the university occupation seems to have ended peacefully, but there's no indication that the that the protesters and again they're kind of leaderless and they have broad support in the public that this is going to to end soon unless the Hong Kong government authorities were to show some sign of of moving on some of the demonstrators' demands. Again, more democracy, but that's not likely on because. Uh, China has said no, and they, uh, the idea of amnesty, I don't think that's on, and the idea of an investigation of the police, well, the new police commissioner said no, that's not going to happen. So I think that you'll continue to see these demonstrations, and it's uh, bad for Hong Kong because it means it's a less attractive place to do business. I think it's bad for China because it shows the dark side of China and other things going on in China. The reports now on their crackdown on, on other minorities, the Uyghurs and things, 
uh, and it's bad for Canada because Hong Kong has been our uh, this, the, the place in Asia where we are best positioned from which to be able to do business, not just with China, but with the rest of Asia. Colin Robertson, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Mark.